Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Broly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob. And Jacob, you want to go ahead and tell them what we're going to get into? Yeah, we have a jam-packed episode to go through. So in the NFL, obviously, we saw one of the most insane NFL divisional week weekends I think we've ever seen. Um, going into our teams, we're going to be doing our best and worst of our teams. And then I'm going to we're going to talk about the new name change, which will be the next time we will talk to you, it will be announced that it's probably going to be the commanders and the NHL. Um, the caps are starting to show some struggles. Same with the flyers. They're maintaining their struggles and into the MLB. Finally, some stuff to talk about the um, hall of fame class was just announced. And we we're going to talk about the question of steroids in the hall of fame. Also, it seems that, the MLB's nearing a new bargaining agreement. So let's get right into it. So we'll start off with the stuff that's a little more general and talk about the uh, talk about the playoffs. And in the playoffs, the Bills defense well, is well, horrible. Hold on, let's let's move. Let's take that last because that was the last game. That was the most entertaining one, obviously. So let's start off where the weekend started and just talk about the Bengals and the Titans for a sec. First off, that game was better than I thought it would be. And the fact that Joe Burrow threw, did what he did while getting sacked nine times is astonishing. And the Derrick Titan, Henry did nothing. The, the Titans really should have won that game, but Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. And Derrick Henry, he actually did pretty decent for his first game back, 20, 20 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. And – um. I don't know but if he this wasn't is there. Typo, but Dante Freeman, four Four-man. carries for 66 yards. But Ryan Tannehill's the reason they lost that game. Their defense stepped up and really limited the Bengals' defense or um, the Bengals' offense. But Ryan Tannehill threw three pretty bad interceptions. If I recall correctly, I think I know one of them was definitely tipped. I think one other one was tipped. The first one was awful. The first one, he just stared down Julio Jones the entire way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow stood tall in the pocket the entire game while taking nine sacks. And, you know, when you take nine sacks, you're going to start getting a little timid in the pocket. So he stood tall back there and delivered the uh, delivered the game that he needed to. And then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about from that game was, did you see that pass that Ryan Tannehill had to A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. where that oh. A.J. Brown scored on? That pass was insane where he – all AJ Brown did was turn around and put his hand like his palm up, and it was in hand. his arm. Like that was a beautiful pass. He that was a beautiful catch, but T- Ryan Tannehill played like crap the, that game. It was it was a de- I mean, yeah, it was a beautiful catch, but he didn't even have to do anything. Like all no. he did was turn around, and it was in his arm. He didn't have to do anything else. That ball could not have been nestled in a more perfect spot. But Good. yeah, that that game was far more interesting. I thought. I heard some people saying they thought that was going to be the most boring game. I thought that the Packers game was going to be the most boring game, which it turned turned out. out Yeah. Yeah. It turned out it was boring because the, I mean, there was, it just wasn't really good football overall. No, it it really wasn't. It was poor put together football and San Fran ends up winning strictly off of uh, special teams. They scored, they blocked a field goal which gave them abil- the ability to have the lead at the end. And then they 
block the punt to score that touchdown to tie them up at the end of the game. So, I mean, it was, there was, it was an ad football game. Aaron Rodgers didn't deliver. It's fitting for Aaron Rodgers considering he's done exactly what his mentor did, which was win one Super Bowl and then have a handful of championship and divisional game losses to show for it. So it, I mean, the similarities between the two are quite, um, I mean, they're very prevalent. I think it's, it's kind of funny. Oh, also, uh, I forgot to mention this, but Titans lost, so you only got the Rams standing for your. Yeah, I think we've just shown. I'm when it comes to playoff time, I'm terrible. You just when I say something, Rogers. Yeah, when you say something, when I say something, you should bet the opposite. I mean, I don't know how I beat you in regular season, mainly because we were choosing for two pretty bad teams. But when it comes to playoff time, oh my. Uh, then after that on Sunday was the Rams and the Bucks game, and the fact that Brady almost brought him back. I, I, I had uh, my own stuff going on, so I had to leave. But as I was leaving, I was watching the Rams kick a field goal to go up twenty-seven to three, and I was like, ah, "This game's over." And later, I looked back and saw that they made a comeback, and I was like, "And the Rams had to kick a game-winning field goal to win the game." Like, yeah, on, but Cooper Cup had an he ran an amazing route and saved the Rams from and, becoming the Falcons. Well, Todd Bowles also ran a zero blitz with the game on the line. Well, I don't know why he did that. And Cooper Cup just burned their their um cornerback who was on. I don't remember who it was, but he ran a beautiful route for a nice catch over the top. Yeah, but we both had the Rams going, so I think yeah, the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Uh. But holy, yeah, that I don't know why he ran zero blitz on the final play. That's like a when do you remember? I believe it was last season or the season before. I think it was, I think it was his rookie season, Henry Ruggs. He uh the Jets ran like a blitz on the last play of the game. They were ahead of the Raiders and then they ran a blitz, and Henry Ruggs just absolutely burnt the corner that was covering him. That was another yeah. absolutely terrible play. Man, and, whatever uh, happened to that wide receiver? <laughs> uh and then this was the interesting game, which honestly has brought up a lot of controversy in the Chiefs versus the Bills. Yeah, people are looking at an overtime rule change, which I think I think the rules should change. Um, the fact that in overtime a team can win when the other team's quarterback hasn't even touched the ball, I think that's a little unfair and ridiculous. Josh, but... Josh Allen passed, had 134 passer rating, four touchdowns, zero interceptions and he lost that is yeah. unbelievable he gave his defense 13 seconds okay let's just think about this Dak's run took longer than it took the chiefs to get within field goal range let's just and, let's just think about that well yes I, the bills the bills should have stopped them and what also they also they squib a, kick it why did they do a yeah, direct kick they, they did a they did a mortar kick so basically they just kicked it way up in the air hopefully yeah they should have squibbed it though they i mean especially with tyree kill back there and i just don't understand and the first catch they made um travis kelsey made out but the cornerback was covering the outside of him he left the open field open why would you do that and why were they rushing four guys that is my honest question because what do you mean why would they because when you're they should, have rushed, they should have rushed three and had more. I thought you were saying they should have rushed, rushed more. I was like, no, no, we mean? just saw was, the Bucks did that horrible it, idea. It also, it also depends on like, because 
if the Bills are a uh, if the Bills are a four three defense, which I think they are, I mean you have players that play in that scheme. So to kind of change it up would not like especially in a game uh, game on the line situation. I'd keep your formation, and that's I think that's why they rush for it. They they rush the least they could. I mean, yeah, I see. They should because it all depends should've. on scheme. They definitely could have only rushed three. They should just dropped everyone back in coverage. Yeah, and if I was Josh Allen, I'd be pissed at the defense. I'd be yelling at him because there's literally defense nothing was not a factor in that game. Yeah, there's literally nothing more that Josh Allen could have done. He played the game of his life, yet he lost. All to a coin. Which yeah. I think then brings up, like we said, the overtime rules where like I was listening a little bit earlier to a podcast and they were talking about overtime rules. There are two former Eagles players and the one was saying he's like the overtime rules for the regular season. That's fine. It's like, but yeah. when it comes to the playoffs, that's a whole different story because in regular season, you got tomorrow in the playoffs. There is no there is no tomorrow guaranteed. So both teams should have touched the ball. Now, what you do after that, that could be a little different. Like, uh, both teams should be able to touch the ball unless it's like a pick six. Then both teams yeah, can get a possession. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Josh Josh Allen could have brought the team back to score and tie up the game to take it a little bit further. After that, whatever they decide, they decide. But, yeah, I'm, same thing with Super Bowl 51. The Patriots won on their first drive. The Falcons never got to touch the ball. So, yeah. like, you see how that changes the different the aspect of the game. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I would like to see that change. It's 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 just sad to see. Could be coming up next season. I'm sure that's one of the, that's going to be one of the topics, big topics. Oh yeah, once the Super Bowl ends, they're definitely going to be looking over that. And there's like a lot of outrage about it. It's not just bills fans or people who don't like the chiefs yeah which seems like most of america now uh my bills pick goes down the drain which sucks because i i was so confident i i when i was turned i turned on that game i looked and i watched josh allen throw that touchdown with 13 seconds left i'm like they did it i was so happy to gabriel davis who had over 200 yards and four touchdowns on eight receptions he had like two touchdowns in like in the last two minutes of a game that yeah that was if they had won that would have been an all-time playoff performance no argument there but i did man dude oh. imagine in a in in regular season having that performance for a fantasy day oh my Ooh. gosh that's you, you would definitely win that's like 50 points alone yeah, but knowing then, me, I'd probably lose. With depending on the league, you could uh you could have like in one of my leagues, we have a 20 point bonus for 200 yards receiving. So that's another that's 70 points for that day. That's absurd. Uh but yeah, Gabe Davis had an insane game. Josh Allen had an insane game. 134 passer rating and lost the game. That is and also the fact that. This man is 6'5". I'm going to double-check his weight, but this man is... He was running all over the yeah. field. He was. He got a few really crucial first downs. He is 6'5 and 240 pounds, and he was running like he was 6'1 and 200 pounds. He was averaging 
six yards per carry. He had 11 carries for 62 yards. That that That's insane. He was bulldozing through some kids. Yeah, and then the defense decided to – I don't know what the defense was doing. I, I really don't. Yeah, so – but let's take a quick uh, quick little session to talk about next week's games. Uh, so it's the Chiefs and the Bengals. Whichever one you pick, I'm going opposite. So just make sure. <laughs> I mean, the Chiefs have got to win this game. I mean, like it's like it's about the same as last week did, and I just don't think that the Bengals have as good of an offense as the Bills did. So I just I think it's going to be a great game, but I just can't see a situation where the Bengals win this. I want them to, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, realistically, I'm not going opposite because I'd also. I think the Bengals could pull it out potentially because Joe yeah, Burrow. There's a possibility for an upset, but I just don't. It's just not very likely to me. I think the uh, now, uh, but the the Chiefs don't have as good of a pass rush as the Titans did. the The secondary is a little bit more questionable, but Patrick Mahomes on a semi-average. Bengals defense I think I like that I think that I like that matchup a little bit better for the Chiefs than I do for the Bengals I would not be surprised if he has over 500 yards considering I think the Bills defense came into that game the number one defense in the league yeah they did yeah I think so I don't think it's out of the question for Patrick Mahomes to have over 500 yards and four touchdowns I it's possible to me uh and then the next game is the 49ers and the Rams the 49ers have beat the Rams six times straight. And I just can't I if the For two times the 49ers, season. I, if the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl, I, I don't know what because I don't think they're a good team. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a good quarterback, and I do not want, want Washington to trade for him, anybody but him. But I just don't know how they kept winning. They won a very ugly game. And um Green Bay, and then they beat Dallas in that really weird game where it seemed like they were trying to lose. So, with how motivated this Rams team is, and how that they just dodged a bullet and really have, I think, have gotten a wake up call. I think the Rams are going to win. I think the Rams should win this easily. I mean, it's it's hard to beat a team three times in a season, especially they, one that's as good as the Rams are. Yeah, and. The I just don't see how the 49ers could pull this off, like you said. I mean, they're they've barely beat both of their team, they barely beat the Cowboys and the Packers. The and offense is literally just Debo Samuel. Hey, but Debo, Debo Samuel is a tank, he's amazing, but he I, he can't carry this team to a Super Bowl. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but you want to talk? You want to talk about like how the Yankees buy World Series? It's what the Rams are looking at if they win a Super Bowl here. I mean, Von Miller, Odell, Cooper Cup. Half of this, what they did, what they did to get the team where it was, is amazing. Because look at the team before the trade deadline. Von Miller wasn't there. Uh, Coop, uh, not Cooper Cup. Uh, Odell wasn't there. Robert Woods was there, but he was hurt. 
So like that's three players right there. Uh, Eric Weddle wasn't there. Not that I really think Eric Weddle makes that much of a difference, but he really he, he wasn't there. So look at that. Cam Akers wasn't there. Now go back to last season, what they had last season, where Matthew Stafford's not there. Jared, yeah, Jared Goff's the quarterback. I think Goff or Stafford might be one of the best modern era quarterback trades. I really do. I mean, look at what Matthew Stafford has been able to do. If he wins the Super Bowl, I think that cements his place in Canton because I think he's going to be able to continue having a good form. And if he's able to win the Super Bowl, I can't see a situation where he doesn't end up in Canton. I would have to agree with that. I think that's kind of a bold take because of the fact that he had such a average career in Detroit, but I mean, he still did succeed to an extent with a terrible Detroit team. I mean, he only had, he only yeah. had Megatron his entire career. So now that he has a little bit more weapons, you can see what he does. He was second in the league in interceptions or no, he led the league in interceptions, but was still second in the league in touchdowns. Yeah, and Matthew and then, Stafford in his career has almost 50,000 yards and 323 touchdowns, and he's probably going to be able to keep up this form for a few more years, maybe not as to a high of a level, but still play at a high level. I, I definitely think he's going to be a Hall of Famer if, if he wins the Super Bowl. Also, uh, what was I going to say after that? I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what i was gonna say but yeah i just don't i think i would have to agree with you there that he should be able to get into the hall of fame if he does win this super bowl but there's still some time there to i i wouldn't put it away yet because it is yeah. possible to th beat a team three times in a season it's hard but it's possible it's very possible so you, you can't put it past him yet but with that i think that's all we're going to touch on for the Eagles or the playoffs. Let's talk about the team a little bit more. And this is just for us to talk about, go a little bit into depth on like who shined in the season. I also have a couple people who obviously didn't shine as well. Uh, but you want to start with Washington or Philly? Uh, let's start with Washington. Um, because after you talk about Philly, I'm going to talk about Washington for a decent amount. Um, that's going to be a little bit of a rant, but let's focus on the very few goods that we had. Um, so I think the best player on our offense, it had to be Antonio Gibson. I know Terry McLaurin had another thousand yard Terry season. Terry McLaurin probably would have been my pick. He, he would have been my pick, but considering how streaky um, – that Taylor Heineke was, I just have to give it to Antonio Gibson. Um, Antonio Gibson made the all NFC team, I believe, or NFC East. Um, he had over a thousand yards rushing for, and for a player that just re recently um, picked up running back recently in the grand scheme of things, he had a great season. Um, he is still struggling with his vision as a runner. I do think that he misses some holes, but I think he'll hopefully be able to do better, but yeah, a thousand yards, seven and seven rushing touchdowns. Uh, what about your defensive player? I don't know who I'd pick for Washington. Jonathan Allen. It ha it's oh, yeah, yeah, else, yeah. But Jonathan Allen. Um, it, he's just, he's, he 
carried our defensive line for a while. Uh, do you have an MVP overall best player? I'd say it'd be Jonathan Allen. He, he, I believe he's the only pro ball player we have on our team. Uh, who's your other detail? No, it's it, didn't didn't Deron Payne get voted into? I don't think so. I thought he did. Uh, for the Eagles, I have a couple. Uh, I'm gonna wait on the MVP because it's not. It's gonna be a little out of. Uh, out of pocket. Uh, for the offensive player, I'm gonna go with Devonte Smith. I mean, he had 916 yards. 64 receptions and five touchdowns. He started to slow down at the end of the season a little bit because they stopped targeting him as much, but he still had an amazing season, broke the rookie receiving record of Deshaun Jackson's. So he's, it looks like he's going to be a stud and I'm excited to see what he comes out to do for the rest of his career because he are, he started off strong and man, did he, make me eat my words because he he looks good and i'm excited to see what he does uh on the defense okay so here i would split it up like there i kept them the same because obviously he since he was the best player on the offense he was the best he's the best rookie on defense i'm going the defensive player for the team best defensive player was darius slay Darius yeah. Slay had a shriek. I believe it was in four games. He had three touchdowns. Uh, he he was locked. He was shut down all season. There was just no one really getting past him. And week in and week out, it was if Darius Slay can't play, the team was in trouble. But he played all season. He just he's a game changer for the team. And what he's able to do to hold off that entire half of the field essentially is huge. Uh, I wish. They played a little bit more. I can't really say that they should play the defense in man because the defense wasn't good enough to play in man too much, but I wish he would have been able to play a little bit more man. Uh, But overall, I'd have to give him the defensive player. And then for the defensive rookie, I'm going with Milton Williams. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about his, about him because at the beginning of the season, he wasn't really a factor. He was a third-round pick out of Louisiana Tech. And I don't remember if you saw that video where uh, I believe it was Howie wanted a high-five, and the guy who went to high-five was just like, dude, what is wrong with you? You just made the worst pick in the history of this franchise. Uh, but he – towards the end of the season, he ended up coming coming out and actually playing really well. He looks like he could potentially be a starter for if Fletcher Cox leaves, but I think the only way Fletcher Cox leaves is via trade. They're not going to cut him. That's too much dead money. Uh, so he looks like he could be a potential starter for Fletcher Cox in the future. He played in all 17 games. And towards the end of the season, you could see where he was starting to wreck some havoc in the backfield and push people back. Uh and so him and Javon Hargrave, because I think they're going to want to re-sign Hargrave next year. With him and Javon Hargrave, that's going to be a pretty good interior with Fletcher Cox having to step down. There's going to be a lot of defensive holes that need to be filled up, but that is something that's going to be looked at. Uh, 
I'm saying I am going to go into coach of the year because obviously, obviously Sirianni is the head coach. So you would say he's technically the coach of the year, but I'm changing it. And I'm saying Jeff Stoutland because Jeff Stoutland does not get enough recognition for what he does. One, because he's just, he's the offensive line coach, but he is one of the only coaches who has been here for multiple seasons in a row. The Eagles went on a stint where in five years, they changed wide receivers coach five times. So Jeff Stoutland was one of the only position coach coaches who stayed throughout that entire stint. And so he, and just look at what the offensive line did this year. They, the rushing are the Eagles had the number one rushing offense in the league, which wouldn't have been possible without the offensive line. And Jeff Stoutland made every single offensive lineman on the team serviceable. So no matter what happened, they were at least putting in, decent work to be able to keep the run game going against Dallas at the end of the year, Dallas kept in their starters and they were still, we had our second, third string offensive lineman in, and they were still putting up pretty big holes for running backs to get through. So I'm putting Jeff Stoutland up there. want to give him recognition and my MVP. This one's going to be a little random. No, it's not Jalen hurts. I know that's exactly what you're thinking. I'm going to say. Now I'm, I'm saying this is going to be a bold take, but I'm saying Nick Sirianni's the MVP. I not, I know it's, it's hard to imagine, but this team, this is the way I look at it. And the reason that I have them up there, this team was projected to at most have five wins by most, most analysts, most I'm included in that. Both of us are included in that. I did not see the Eagles realistically getting more than five wins. So Nick Sirianni comes in here, him being a first-time head coach, first-time play play caller, because I believe Frank Reich calls the plays in Indy. First-time play caller, he and he starts out the season through the first four games, they go one and three and two and five in their first seven games. And he was trying to run the offense through Jalen Hurts and make him pass the ball. And for a first time coach to come into the league and try to instill a install a certain offense into a team and see that it's not working halfway through the year and totally switch and go to a different version of the offense to try to succeed is just unheard of. Most coaches are, I, I don't want to say, I would say single-minded would probably be the best way to close-minded. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Close-minded. And they just want to keep, they just want to do what they do because they think it'll work over time. He went in halfway through the season. He decided this isn't working. We need to change things up. They did. They went to the rushing offense. They became the number one rushing team in the NFL. Devonte Smith, he made him uh, a rookie re- receiving record in franchise history. Gave him that gave him the ability to get that. Uh, There were some flaws, you know, Jalen Hurts didn't play great in the first half of the season. He probably took a little long to, uh, to get there. They should have won a couple games that they lost. For example, San Fran, uh, they shouldn't have lost that game. Uh, Tampa, uh, actually some of these other games that I'm looking at, the Chargers was a close game that they could have potentially won the Giants. There were some, there were some flaws in there and I see that, but I just think overall him coming into the league as a new head coach, I can't say coming in the league, but him coming in as a new head coach, changing his offense, his mind halfway through the season on how he wants the offense run 
and changing everything there and going for going forward and making the playoffs when they were projected to have at most five wins. If you looked at me at the beginning of the season, I think if either of us looked at each other at the beginning of the season and said, the Eagles are going to play their backups in the final week of the season because that game won't matter for them in the standings. We probably would have thought each other were crazy. Like that. Yeah, we would have called each other liars. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I think what he did overall, it was overshadowed by the fact that Jalen Hurts didn't have an amazing season and the fact that they got absolutely killed in the first round of the playoffs. But overall, Sirianni showed that he looks like he might have a pretty good future in Philadelphia with the offense that he would want to create, the offense that he knows that they're going to work with, and he has a pretty good staff around him from what we've seen. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's already getting head coach interviews, and it's his first year as a defensive coordinator. So he hired what looks like he hired the right, right people, to create the best team he could with this at this point in time, I think he deserves a little bit more credit than he got. And so that's why he's my MVP for the season. Yeah. And I'm going on quickly to the worst of my team. I think the work, like the worst thing, I wouldn't say it's Heineke because I think he did what we expected him to do. We, I, at least I did. I, I wasn't expecting a, uh, him to come in and throw 30 touchdowns I expected him to manage the game and have the defense keep us in it and win some really nasty scrappy games but our defense was so underperforming I mean in the beginning Chase Young Montez Sweat our whole front four couldn't get anything going it got better because I think Jack Del Rio started to change some things but our secondary was one of the worst in the league I'd say our worst was probably William Jackson. He came in, we gave him a decent deal, and he did not play good at all. Not, nobody in our secondary, you could say, played great. Not even our safeties. Landon Collins started to play better, but that's once we moved them to a more of a linebacker role. I just think our defense was so disappointing when most people expected it to be top 10 this year. So I'd say... The worst is the defense, more specifically the secondary. I think the worst, I think it's easy to say, is uh, Jalen Rager. I, he is on the board. He is on the line of getting booed out of Philadelphia. So, If I was you guys, I would kick him out. They're not going to cut him. He was a first-round draft pick. They're still going to see if they can work with him. The only way he would be getting sent out is via trade. I, there is no way in my mind that I see him getting cut. Absolutely. But for a trade, I think the max you can get from is maybe a fifth. Maybe. That's it. I I wouldn't. I just don't see it happening. He's definitely going to be there next year. That's – I am willing to bet a large sum of money that he will be there next year. Uh, going off of that, I think later as – football starts to progress we can go a little bit more in depth because I do want to talk a little bit more in depth about the positions and like so we can talk about each offense and defense once we get a little bit later and once there's not as much going on in football because obviously the playoffs is a big a big thing uh and I'd, I'd like yeah once you're done I'd like to talk about something yeah. that I think is really yep, good go ahead floor is yours 
Yes. So yesterday marked the 30th anniversary of our last Super Bowl team and what was possibly the best team we ever had. We had the number one offense and the number one defense in the league, three Hall of Famers. We beat the Bills 37 to 24. Um, I'll, I'll do a little bit of trivia. Who was the quarterback for that team? For the Washington last? Mm-hmm. The 91 Washington team. You'll never guess it. I probably won't because. Mark Rippon. Oh, yeah. I never. That, that name didn't even come to my mind. Yeah. I'm just going to read off the stats. Um, for me, this shows how great Joe Gibbs was. He won three different Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, which I, that's extremely hard to do. And I don't think will ever happen, at least for a long time. Did Joe Theismann ever win a Super Bowl? Yeah, he won our first one. We should have won the one that after that. That was our best team, the 83. He won the MVP that year, but we took the Raiders for granted, and we kind of looked over him, which sucked. But Mark I, Rippin. Mark my, first guess, my first guess would have been Theismann. Second guess would have been Jurgensen. Wait, t- who won the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's – I mean, that's that's really the only, like, Washington quarterbacks quarterback. you could say. I mean, yeah, Doug Williams, when he won it, like he that, was – I can think of it backup. Doug Williams was the backup. Jay Schrader was the starter, but he was a little streaky. In the previous year, he laid an egg against the Giants. The, on, the only other, like, quarterbacks that I can think of in Washington history are obviously RG3 and, like, Jason Campbell. Yeah, there's also Kirk Cousins, Rex oh, Grossman, yeah. who is oh, – I remember Grossman a little. He, he's the player I think I hate the most who has played for Washington. I don't know why, but I really dislike Rex Grossman. Oh, Grossman. Rex Grossman, yeah, Shanahan's old buddy. But 30 years since the last time we've been relevant, and for me this shows how incompetent our ownership has been. I know Dan Schneider – didn't take over right away he came in late 90s but i just why like i honestly cannot think of a washington fan who actually likes him the people who probably like him are his close friends other than that i i generally can't think of a good thing he's done i i really can't when it whether it comes from the sexual assault allegations, which are being investigated by the House of Representatives next week on February 3rd after they announce the new name. So hopefully that leads to actual justice being done for those people. But with, like he also would interfere in our draft room and he would draft people that the coaching staff did not want. I mean, we traded up to get RG3, which... The coaching staff, I believe, did not want, but we kind of ruined RG3's career because we put him back on a horrible knee when he had a previous ACL tear, and we put him in for a meaningless playoff game. It, there was no reason he should have played, and yet he tore his ACL and ruined his career. And then with this name change coming up, we're throwing away – everything that this team worked for to build. I mean, we're saying goodbye to this iconic logo and what this team stands for. I mean, and it's come out that some Washington legends actually do not like the name. Charles Mann, who's third on our all-time sacks list. Joe Jacoby, who is part of the Hogs. Um, And the Washington Commanders is, I think, going to be the name. Um, I think it's been leaked 
that that will indeed be the name and it just doesn't have anything to it for me it sounds generic i know you're supposed to build a heritage for a team and we're gonna pretty much start from zero next week but it's just i just have a i just don't know what to say i I, just, I think we went over this a couple times, but listen to this draft class with RG3. Andrew yeah. Luck, then RG3. Then remember Trent Richardson? Yep. Who played, he was, he did, he did, he did actually really well for a season. Then he got traded to the Colts. Then uh, Justin Blackman. Do you remember Morris Claiborne? I don't, but I remember like Justin Cowboys. Blackman. Justin Blackman. Uh, Oh, I remember Mark Barron now that I think about it. Ryan Tannehill, Luke Keekley, Stephon Gilmore, Dontari Poe, Fletcher Cox. Do you remember Michael Floyd? I do. He was in that draft. Uh, Bruce Irvin, Dre Kirkpatrick. Let's see. I, I'm just looking at Chandler Jones was in that draft. Uh, Donta Hightower, Harrison Smith. Oh, do you remember Doug Martin? I do. <laughs> uh, he had that one really great year for Temp Bay where he had like the most fantasy points. And then he didn't do anything. Yeah, the next year everybody drafted him for him to do nothing. And then uh, Janoris Jenkins was in that draft class. Michael Kendricks, Bobby Wagner. Brock Osweiler. Levante Whoa. David. Vinny Curry. I, this was kind of a coming out of like coming out of this draft class this looks insane seeing what they would do in the future not so great olivier vernon was in this draft class remember when brock osweiler got like a 75 million dollar deal russell wilson i do remember that brandon brooks who just retired i yeah i forgot to mention that brandon brooks uh he just, he just retired recently. yeah he just retired which, Actually, it's probably a good thing, better than it is a bad thing, because the the offensive line is looking good and it's in a good place. If Brandon Brooks came back, that'd make it like it's a good issue to have because you don't know who to start because they're all good. But like there, there's a there's a point where you're like, who do I start now? Brandon Brooks or Landon Dickerson? Landon Dickerson's the future, but Brandon Brooks is an all pro. Like, who do you start there? So. That's kind of a hard thing to do, but it's a good thing that he did. Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, these are some throwback names. Nick Foles, Eagles legend. Mm. Akeem Hicks, who's still playing for the Bears. T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton was a third-round pick. I didn't realize that. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I remember him. Wow, I remember so many names on this uh, draft class. Brandon Boykin. Who? I do not know who that is. He was a corner for the Eagles. He was good for a couple years. And then they, I don't remember if his contract was up or if they traded him to the Steelers, but they let him walk. And that was like one of the actual decent corners that they've had since Asante Samuel. Probably one of the only decent corners that they've had since Asante Samuel 
Yeah, and the thing, we traded, like, I think around three first. I don't know the exact number to trade up in that draft class and get RG3 and then to pretty much lose his prime after one year. Marvin Jones and George Iloka. Oh, my God. This draft class sounds like it's crap. There's only been, like, five Greg, names you could Greg say Zerline, Greg the leg. He was drafted. <laughs> and this this guy's almost this guy's almost completed the NFC sweep, Alfred Morris. <laughs> I think he has. No, Eagles ha- Eagles need to oh. sign him still. And then yeah, he was good for like two or two two years, maybe three, and then he fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, that's but he's almost he's almost completed the NFC East. You know who else has almost completed the NFC East sweep? Corey Clement. He just needs oh to be—he just needs to be a Washington Commander. Don't even get me started about that name. And oh, have you heard that the new stadium might be located in our Loudoun County? Oh, really? Yeah. Um. So it seems like Dan Schneider is starting to talk to local governments to try and move the stadium in because. Apparently, the land that RFK was on is now going to be a park, and they don't want to give it to him. And probably with the whole like sexual allegations looming over their heads, like, and so I don't think DC is going to allow Washington back in to DC, which is crazy. I mean, it's good for us if the stadium's in Loudoun County, but I've heard a lot of DC and Maryland fans are not very happy. Because they're not used to traveling very far to go to the stadium, and Virginia fans are. Yeah. I understand the logic because Loudoun County is one of the largest growing areas in the nation, but it could be the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of fans. Uh, well, it's I knew they were looking like when they were saying they wanted to move it back to DC, I was like, where in the world are they going to put it in DC? Like DC is kind of already a little crowded. I don't know where they're going to put it. Yeah. What they should have done is like after the nineties, you should have taken the spot that nationals park was the spot where nationals park would be. Um, but they didn't. And then they moved to Landover and built the worst stadium in the NFL. There's there's stadiums that are over 60 years old that are more well maintained and look better than than um, Lambo FedEx, which is only 20 years, 20 years old. Yeah, those are better better kept than our crappy stadium. And we have the worst home attendance in the league for our home fans. When when I went a couple of years ago, it was a it was a sea of green. Yeah. Whenever any team plays, it's always a sea of the away team's jerseys. Like I think the last time we sold the place out was maybe RG3's rookie year. I think <laughs> that completes football for us, though, right? Yeah, I don't want to go into Washington too much. I'm, I'm too mad. Just, eh. Uh, this team. Well, that goes into a topic that I don't want to talk about with Hey, <laughs> so how I'm, I'm gonna double check because I don't want to. I want to make sure that I get this right. But I believe they are now on a 13 game losing streak. Oh, oh my goodness! They they are now, I believe, the 
I think they're the first team in franchise history to do two two 10 game losing streaks in a season and the and I believe like the second team in NHL history to have two 10 game losing streaks in a single season wow so so the the biggest news that came out uh oh actually let me just double check on this losing streak i believe we haven't won a game in the new year yet they have that's the you tristan the flyers have not won a game since 2021 yeah you guys are bad you're really the last bad. the last game they won was against seattle on january or december 29th so you, you haven't won in over a year then they haven't well, well that's not true they haven't won, you haven't won since last year yeah or you could say that they lost to san jose in overtime we then lost to lost san jose the, last night then they lost to the kings then anaheim and then pittsburgh and then San Jose again, and then Boston, then the Rangers, and then back-to-back against the Islanders, and then a game to Columbus where Voracek came back home to Philly, then to Buffalo, which is not the problem. Oh, that, that's, that's bad. Tristan, I thought this was supposed to be an easy stretch for you guys. Well, they played eight games in 13 days, I believe it was, or nine games in 13 days. You were telling me that you guys were going to go on an easy – I was saying they were at an easy stretch up until, like, Pittsburgh because they had – they had, let's see. But the games you were supposed to win – This was the easy stretch that I was talking about. When they played Arizona, New Jersey, Montreal, uh, Ottawa, Seattle, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim again. And then they got tough because now then they had Pittsburgh, San Jose, who they still should have beat, Boston, the Rangers. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a easier stretch. It's still not anything compared to that first. This is a worse losing streak than the first one because the teams that they are playing now are nothing compared to the teams that they were playing in the first losing streak. In the first losing streak, they were playing – they played Tampa three times. They played Columbus. They played the Rangers. They played Carolina twice, I believe. Maybe just once. Yeah, they only played Carolina once. They played Boston and Florida. Those are all top teams in the NHL. Those are all, I believe, top, definitely top 10 teams, if not top eight teams in the league. This time, it's a little bit sadder because they're losing to teams like San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., the Islanders, Columbus, Buffalo, teams that are not great. They have a three-game, they have a three-day stretch where they finally have this is this is where I see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, potentially. Which, are you sure it's not just a freight train coming your way? It it could be. It could just be a freight train. But shout out have, to Taka for that lyric. They have a three three-day break right now, and then they have the Kings at home against. Well, they're at home against the Kings on the 29th, and then they have another two days off before they play Winnipeg. So they're, they're getting a break here, and Chuck Fletcher just had an interview. Chuck Fletcher, who is the GM and the head of hockey operations in Philly, and Dave Scott, who is the club head in Philly, they just had an interview. 
here is where I see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, first off, they finally have a break. Second, of their next 17 games, 13 of them will be in the Wells Fargo Center. So they get a lot of home games coming up, which Philadelphia is a rowdy place to play. Right now it probably isn't because that's they're not doing too hot. Uh, but they're playing their next 13 to 17 games at home. They're having some breaks finally. They're not playing back-to-backs and two and three and wicked schedules like that where they're playing a ton of hockey at a point. It's all, it's all fun and dandy, but you're playing good teams. Let's just look at the teams. This, okay, I, the, Kings, I, I, the, Kings the Kings are actually playing pretty decent. The Jets are – Yeah, the Jets are, the Jets are – not they're 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 middle of the table the red wings are playing a lot better than people would think you have the penguins the caps hurricanes the blues schedule yeah which i'm not okay i'm not i'm not saying that they're making the that they're making the playoffs i'm not saying anything i'm just saying the end of all we're all i think i can speak for philadelphia fans on a large scale here when i say all they're looking for right now is a win like this is this is not a fun thing to go through with your team losing 10 straight and then going on a seven game point streak and then losing 13 straight and on the cusp of going to 15. What's the longest losing streak in NHL history? I'm about to look that up. I think it was 18 by the Sabres. Well, I know the, yeah, it's actually 18 games by the 0304 Pittsburgh Penguins, and it was tied by last year's Sabres. Yes. So, uh, like, yeah, but do you know? It's not a good number that they're coming up on. They're, but do you know who has the statistic, who's statistically the worst team in NHL history? Yeah, the Caps. They had like, yeah. they had like, they had like eight wins. Yeah, they had like 16 points in a single season. They didn't do good at all. It was our first year. Yeah, we were eight sixty-seven and five. That is that's, that's twenty-one terrible. points on a season. That's horrible. So okay, so going back to my little, I don't. I'm talking about a win here. I don't. I I don't <laughs> see anything happening with the team. Like they're obviously not going to make the playoffs. Granted, while I do say that, the Blues were at the basement of the league when they won the Stanley Cup. They came back. Granted, the Western Conference is about 10 times easier than the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, the odds of that happening are even way slimmer than the Blues. Yeah, and Tristan, I don't think the Blues were talking about trading Ryan O'Reilly. And it, you well, but no. you guys, on the other hand, are talking about trading Drew, which I think is all but confirmed yeah, at this point. It's, well, it all depends on him. They That's another thing I was going to get to was yeah. Chuck, uh, Chuck Fletcher and Drew's agent had – talks about the trade deadline and waiving his trade clause and there's nothing been confirmed yet they said they're going to talk about it as the trade deadline approaches which is in march correct i believe so i wish the the calendar had the trade deadline on it tristan this part marks a big milestone i actually predicted something correct at the beginning of the season i said drew would be traded uh it's it's not it's not uh there yet pal but it's not there uh, yet but it's one of the serious jeopardy of happening one of the other things that i think showed a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and this is just for the future is dave scott the head of club operations was said he doesn't think that they're looking for a three four five year rebuild he said he likes what they have now and that 
they could just they just need a couple more pieces and you need a retool not a rebuild yes, i agree like what the like what the eagles did the eagles didn't go through a full rebuild they went for, through a retool which i agree i think the flyers have a lot of good pieces and travis Konechny, ivan Provorov, cam york Morgan Frost has potential to be what Claude Giroux was. He's not going to be good to that extent because he hasn't even scratched the surface of what Giroux was doing when he was young, but he has the potential to do what Giroux was doing on his own little scale. Uh, I really like Rasmus Ristolainen. I really like Travis Sanheim. If Ryan Ellis can be available, they, you saw what they could do with him at the beginning of the season. Uh, like three games he had him. Yeah, so like they 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 have good pieces. It's just and this was this was quote I okay, I'm not going to quote this because I don't want to get anything wrong, but this is along the lines of what Chuck Fletcher said in an interview I heard earlier from Jason Mertidis on his own podcast. Was Chuck Fletcher said said one of the biggest things was the lack of availability of the team. He said cuz every time someone goes down or every time someone comes back, another person goes down. Morgan Frost was, he wasn't hurt, but he, he was in the AHL at the beginning of the season. And then Kevin Hayes was hurt at the beginning of the season. Wade Allison, Ryan Ellis got hurt early. Kevin Hayes came back for a little bit, got hurt again. Joel Farabee was hurt early in the season. Ryan Ellis came back for a game and then got hurt again. Joel Farabee came back. He's hurt again. They hit COVID at a terrible time when everyone was getting injured. Sean Couturier, who was our top center, potentially our top forward uh he's hurt nate uh, what's his name nate thompson who's our fourth center he's been hurt essentially the entire season Derek broussard was hurt for a little bit came back for a couple games and then got hurt again like they their one c two c and four c are all hurt right now uh and technically they're three c because Derek broussard is kind of their third center because they they like Scott Lawton on the wing a little bit more. So technically all four of their centers are hurt. They don't have a single healthy center. Uh Morgan yeah, Frost, Morgan Frost they brought up to play center. He yeah. but again, they like him playing the wing more. Like they they have no health, but Chuck Fletcher said after the All-Star break, Wade Allison should be looking to make a return and Kevin Hayes should be looking to make a return. He said about a week after that it should be Joel Farabee should be looking to make a return. And then he said the Sean Couturier injury and the Ryan Ellis injury are a little bit more extended, but uh, yeah, Kevin, like they've just had so many injuries and COVID hit at the wrong time, which that was, I think coming from Chuck Fletcher is show, says a lot because obviously it's not an excuse. Every team goes through it, but they just got, I wouldn't say they got hit, by the injury bug they got absolutely pummeled by the injury bug they were like they got squashed by a semi by the injury bug like they they were absolutely demolished from it for me what your team needs comes down to three things depth defense and development what i mean by that is wow that was the three d's that was perfect three d's yeah, you need a lot more depth pieces because I think even when your team is fully healthy, I think you still rely on your first two lines a little too much, which is never good. Um, I just think you need to bring in healthy veteran depth pieces <laughs> to be able to help the young guys. And also you need um you need guys who can play the scrappy minutes that aren't your big stars. Your defense is woeful. Again, you need guys who are healthy who can actually give Carter Hart a chance 
Carter Hart's been playing amazing. Yeah, he's been playing great, but the defense has been leaving him out dry. And, like, what he's doing with the circumstances he's in, he is still doing insane because, like you said, the defense isn't really helping him, and he is still playing at a high level. Uh, He's obviously not Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky level right now, but, I mean, for because the team isn't scoring behind him. They're not giving him run support. Uh, Final thing is development. You need your young guys to take a step up. You really do because it seems like a lot of them are starting to stagnate. You need your young guys to really take that step forward if you're going to want to be a a good team in the future. I just think what I think those three things. What I think kind of hurt the team was Elaine Vino's theory of only focus on the veterans. And there might have been some neglect yeah. towards the development of that, the team. I think that's definitely showing yes, showing its bad signs in your team. There's there's a really good interview on Flyers Daily for today, which is the 27th of January. It's a really good interview on there. Uh they interviewed Chuck Fletcher. I would highly we do not get that we don't have any deals with them or anything. I'm just saying this personally because I thought it was a really good interview. He talks to Chuck Fletcher and Ch- he he expands on what I what I'm saying. But Chuck Fletcher, he also talked about uh, he was talking about the young players. He was saying he wanted the team to be more like the 1920 Flyers, where they were getting depth scoring on their third and fourth line. They were they were just as hard to play as to play against as the first and second line which I think is huge, which needs to be done. Because, yeah. I mean, you look at the teams like the Capitals, like the Penguins, like, oh, that hurts to say. Like the Rangers, these, these teams have depth scoring, and it's not just their first two lines. Yeah, but I, like, and I think that's one of the biggest keys to a successful team and to Stanley Cup teams is you always see they have depth. You always see, like, yes. some of their lower-down players are able to step up, play grimy minutes, and really get goals. And – for the Caps, if you look at it, guys like Devontae Smith-Pelly, who had big goals in a lot of games. Lars Eller, who ended up scoring what would become the game-winning goal. And I know this is different, but you go on to baseball, look at guys like Howie Kendrick, who had big, who had really big playoff series. So I just think your depth really needs to get a lot better, and those guys need to be healthy. Yeah, the Flyers are now in the basement of the metro division oh yep 34 points right congrats new jersey at 35 points kind of want to see draft picks now yeah Uh, i just start a tank i think i think jvr can be sent out he should be sent out yes he should be the issue there is how much salary do they have to retain at that point yeah, because and who would take him on? He's an old player on a not. So he still he still player. scores goals. He's not a he terrible. Still can score, not a terrible but player. he isn't worth the contract he's on, in my opinion. Yeah, I, he's and I still think on a huge team contract. Echo that sentiment. I think he's making seven mil a year. That that's insane. That's way too much. And it's so weird because, like, the difference in hockey and football. Because in hockey, seven mil is so much money. But in football, seven mil, years seven, seven mil is like a couple quarters. Like, it's, and then, yeah, and then in football, you have Patrick much. Mahomes on a fifteen-year, half a billion dollar deal. Yeah, fifty mil a year. Like that's, that's I just pretty- think that's insane. Uh, because you just go from one league, one league from the next, and it's just absurd. 
Uh, but it's it's really down to how much money the league draws in. Yeah, and they're they're also in a flat cap right now. And yeah. I believe the cap's at like 86 mil or something like that. It's around there. And there's less players on the team too. Yeah, there's 53 guys that can be on your NHL roster. NFL roster. NFL. NHL is 22. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Flyers have some potential to score. or I just want to see a win at this point, in all honesty. I don't think the playoffs are even in the cards. I don't even think they're in the same house as the deck of cards right now. Like, they're yeah. across the street. <laughs> Tristan, you see this? The playoffs aren't anywhere near this. Dude, the, the Flyers' playoff chances are at my house right now which is about 30 minutes from his. So <laughs> that, that is where the playoff chances are, according yeah. to that. Um, going on to the caps, uh, there's some things I think we really need to address. Our defense, um, it, it's struggling. I think we've shown, like, there's been some games where we've really let our goalies out to dry. And um, some of it has been on the goalies. I think they could have been playing better. But if we look at our past four games, we lost to the Bruins three to four when our defense played horrible. Um, they scored a goal with like 30 seconds left in the third period. Um, we did beat the Senators in overtime, which is crazy because it feels like forever since we've gotten an overtime win. We lost to the Golden Knights one nothing. I just think our offense, it, it's too singular sometimes. Um, and maybe that's because we still have some injuries and I think we need to change some things up, but I think sometimes our offense can really struggle to score. And that happened in the next game. We lost yesterday. We lost four to one of the sharks. Our defense did not play great. Neither did our offense. I just think before we get to the playoffs, there's some things we need to address. Will we trade for anybody? I don't know, considering how um, close we are to the salary cap. So I just think we need to address some few things coaching-wise. Just put Kuzi on uh, – just put him on IR until the playoffs and, like, maybe one other player. <laughs> trade for somebody. And then trade for someone and then bring him back, and you'll be oh, good. Oh, load management. Oh. Load management. And maybe um, our power play has been struggling as well. Maybe that's because we haven't had TJ Oshie. Nick Basham just came back. Um, so maybe we just need to get our players playing together again and then just come up with some new offensive ideas. Do you remember when uh, I believe the Lightning lost to the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup and the Blackhawks were over the cap? The Lightning then sent something to the uh to the league to try to get the to try to get it so the cap is issued all the way through the postseason and every team the turn tables turn table and then tampa did that i actually saw something with that with football recently where uh when the chiefs lost to the patriots in overtime they sent something to the league saying like each team should get a possession and every team denied it except for the chiefs and then <laughs> now they just win by only the chiefs getting a possession absurd yeah. how but one thing one of my favorite series that wasn't a um cap series was remember when the um when the lightning won the um um president's trophy and then the whole quarantine got swept. they, they oh, got swept by no, the, the blue jackets that wasn't in quarantine that was the year before no I, 
I thought that was a quarantine year, but whatever it was, they, I just remember they took, they were taking out full page ads, just apologizing yeah. profusely that I always thought was quite funny. Yeah, that was, uh, now that was the year prior to the, oh, here we go. This is what I wanted. Um, also, Montreal Canadiens, Stanley Cup contenders last year, 280 points percentage with 23 points on the season yeah i wanted to look because you were talking about the defense and i can't find you guys you guys are 10th 10th from the top with a 273 goals against per game which isn't terrible that's not bad as long as you're below three because once you get up three, then you're getting in dangerous territory. Yeah. Um, one thing I think, like, when we're coming close to the trade deadline, um, I think we need to get rid of Carl Hagelin. Um, I just think his pro- days of production are completely over. Daniel Sprong, he's a young player who's good. but Daniel Sprong's got a future. He's got a feature, which means he's a great, he'd be a great piece to trade. But considering like the rookies that we've called up, his playing time has suffered and he just hasn't been doing as well for us. So I think that's another piece we can move. And maybe one of our young goalies we can trade towards a like decent veteran. Cause I just think we need a, a veteran goalie who's still pretty good to help out one of the young goalies. Cause I think that's one thing we've struggled with. Um, is our goaltending, and I've seen Caps fans say, bring back Holpe, bring back Holpe. No, don't do that. The days of his production are over. I mean, we did the right thing in not re-signing him, but yeah, we just need a goalie and maybe trade some of our younger younger guys. That's one of the worst goalie contracts in NHL history. Oh my, yeah. that I'm, We dodged a bullet there. Uh, you want to go over and talk about the MLB Hall of Fame real quick? Mm-hmm. And how big of a joke it is. So I only saw one person who got in. I didn't see the Hall of Fame. David class. Ortiz. And if we go back way back when, David Ortiz has tested positive for steroids back in his Minnesota days, I believe. So I think it shows that the MLB Hall of Fame is not against steroids. It's more against players they don't like. And the media was famously not like the media famously didn't like Barry Bonds. He wasn't good to them. They weren't good to him. And if the baseball hall of fame, isn't it supposed to be a museum and shouldn't you show the good and bad of a sport in a museum? I mean, there's guys in the hall of fame that have done worse for say Ty Cobb, one of the worst human beings in history. David Ortiz is the only was the sole player voted into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. People who got held out and were on the last year on the ballot, so will not be able to get in anymore. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, Roger, Roger Clemens, Bonds. Kurt Schilling, former Philly, uh, Sammy Sosa, and then players receiving less than 5% will be dropped off future ballot. Ryan Howard. Tim Lincecum, Ryan Howard. Wow. I'm surprised about the Tim Lincecum thing. Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. He was on the Hall of Fame ballot? He got five votes. 
<laughs> is it because he punched Bryce Harper? I don't know what it was, but he was on the Hall of Fame ballot. Those are the only real big names I'm seeing. But, yeah, uh, Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds all being held out of the Hall of Fame. And one of the biggest ones is Barry Bonds being held out. I mean, that's I, – I agree with you. The fact that he's getting held out simply because of steroids, like, if you look at it, A-Rod is going to get in easily. He should, like, if he doesn't, though, it's going to be ridiculous because if you look at A-Rod's stats, if you were to take out all the, like, controversy that happened in his career, he has 3,000 hits, four home runs shy of 700. He's a member of the 40-40 club. And his career average is close to 300. But if he I'm were saying just like, to come up with that, he would be like without the steroids or all the controversies he's had, he'd say he's a top five player all time. I, but I'm saying with the with the steroids, like he's gonna get in, and they're saying like, oh, well, Barry Bonds shouldn't get in because of steroids. A Rod's gonna get in, like you said, Big Poppy. I think most of the people, honestly, okay, this might be. I'm saying there are probably like to some extent, I'm sure a lot of players use something when they're younger, young and dumb. So most like, of the time it was legal. It was legal for the longest time. Yeah. So like I just I don't see how Barry Bonds could be held out. I don't see how Roger Clemens could be held out. For me, it shows that the voting system is so flawed because it's a bunch of sports writers voting for people who they like and not voting for people who they don't. It's it's very flawed. You know, you know what else is kind of this is like past news, but still crazy to me is the fact that Pete Rose is being held out for betting on his own team. Yeah. For his own team to win. The guy okay, the person with the most hits in MLB history isn't in the hall. The guy with the most home runs in MLB history isn't in the hall. That's just and neither of them are allowed in. That's just ridiculous. I heard that like I heard this from my dad who heard it on a 106.7 the fan baseball like the hall of fame is meant to be a museum you show the good and bad i mean ty cobb is in the hall of fame and he was a racist piece of crap who would i mean i'm pretty sure he was charged with attempted murder during his player days and there's other players in the hall who are really bad people but they're holding out a few players for doing something that was legal at the time I would agree with you there. I just don't see how Barry Bonds is going to get held out. Like you said, it's crazy that the person with the most hits and the player with the most home runs, neither of them are in it. I'm personally not a big fan of Barry Bonds, but he should be in the hall. Agreed. Is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. That is also all that I have. So with that, you guys can rate us on Apple and Spotify now. Uh, you guys can follow our Instagram at BLN the DC and you can DM us questions and comments on there for us to bring on here. You guys can email us questions at BLN the DC at gmail.com to bring on here. And with that, I believe that's it. So we will see you guys next week. See you later.